The following podcast is for informational purposes only, and the opinions expressed therein are not necessarily those of Canal Insurance Company. This information is not designed to replace, substitute, or supplement our client's independent obligation to comply with any laws or regulations. Listeners should complete their own independent research in creation and development of their company's risk management and safety programs. Welcome to episode 12 of Hauling Notes podcast by Canal Insurance Company. I'm Bob Peru, the Senior Loss Prevention Specialist from the Risk Management Department at Canal. This week's guest is Scott Fleming, District Coordinator of the Indiana State Police Motor Carrier Enforcement. Scott has been with the Indiana State Police for about 33 years, serving in many capacities with the Motor Carrier Division. He has been very instrumental in ensuring that the trucks that travel on our nation's highways are safe and compliant. He has developed many safety inspection techniques that make the inspection process easier for his fellow state police inspectors. Here's my conversation with Scott. Now let's get rolling. Scott, uh, what do you think is the most important part about inspecting trucks today? The number of trucks that are on the roadway now is increasing. And we want to make sure that the motoring public is safe and that we're inspecting as many vehicles as we can because it's a positive for the trucking company to get a good inspection, the same as it is our effort to try to find the trucks that are not in good shape and get them repaired. For our listeners, Scott, uh, about how many uh, trucks operate uh, on the uh, U.S. highways today? Uh, Is it around 10, 15 million? Somewhere around there? It is in the 15 15 million range, to my knowledge. I'm a supervisor in this area of the state of Indiana. We are seeing probably about close to a million trucks go through the three scale facilities here. Wow. Just southeast of Chicago on an annual basis. Wow, that's a lot of trucks. Now, I understand uh, that you're up in uh, northern Indiana where Detroit links up with Chicago through I-94. Now, as far as inspectors go, we got 15 and a half million trucks on the highways. How many inspectors does the state of Indiana have? For motor carrier inspectors such as myself that have limited arrest arrest powers, being civilian officers with focus only on trucks, we're in the range of having about 30 officers. Wow, there's not very many. Not as many as I'd like to have. At this facility that you're at now, Bob, I would have an additional 10 to 15 people. Wow. And we could run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. But um, we, we play the hand we're dealt and we do the best we can with what we have. Yeah, this is actually one of the largest inspection facilities that I've seen in uh, quite some time. It looks like you have a bay to inspect uh, two and three trucks at a time. We we do. We have a building that you're in right now that will accommodate two full-size semis inside with a pit that we can walk underneath the vehicles and uh, inspect the brakes and do that in a safe, safe manner. We have a very large parking lot that we conduct inspections in throughout the day as well, both level two and level three inspections. Do uh, drivers have the opportunity to come into your scales and take a uh, break? Um, Absolutely. I, as a supervisor, instruct that the gates that would close the scale physically remain open all night. 
and that um, they have the ability to come across our scale and get weighed for free and you can park. There's, I think I have at least 30 parking slots here and they can park in this lot without any fear of my officers coming out and initiating an inspection based on them parking here. Wow. We do not do that. That's great. So you mean if I wanted to weigh my truck and uh, I drive across the scale, I could actually weigh it and not have to worry about uh, paying anybody, uh, especially if the scale is like unmanned, it'll give me a readout of what my axles weigh? Absolutely, it will. There are There's there's a lighted sign right out front. Then you drive across, it'll show your steer, drive, and trader tandem weights and your gross weight. And we're not charging a dime for that service. Wow, that's uh, pretty good. Now, as far as the levels of inspections that you all do, I know the uh, state troopers uh, do mainly the level three inspections, but how about the motor carrier guys like yourself? Do you do full-blown level one inspections? Yes, we do. At these facilities, my my entire team is capable of conducting a level one inspection and level two and level three inspections, and that I am also certified to conduct um, the radioactive material inspections. Do you uh, guys have a lot of radioactive uh, that come across this uh, interstate? We had more Uh, a couple of years ago, but now we don't have as much, but it still happens and uh, still maintain those, uh, those, those abilities. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of hazmat that comes through as well. An awful lot of hazmat. Yeah. And uh, you know, as well as I do that, uh, if you get a hazmat violation, that really counts heavy against the driver and the trucking company, right? Absolutely. So Basically, if a state trooper pulls one of our listeners over, and uh, most of our listeners are truck drivers, what level of inspection would a state trooper normally do on the side of the highway? For the most part, depending on their level of qualification, they would do either a level two, which is a walk around inspection. But when they do that, they do not want to put themselves or their, the driver they're stopping in a dangerous situation. So they're mostly instructed that if we're going to do a level two, that they would do it at a rest park, our inspection facility, or on a ramp so that you're not exposed to the mainline traffic, so to speak. Otherwise they would be doing a level three inspection, which would be a paperwork or driver only inspection and pretty much ignore the vehicle. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's good to know. Well, let me ask you this: when a, when a uh, trooper pulls a truck over, uh, does he have to have uh, probable cause to pull a truck over? I know that uh, the motor carrier division does not have to have probable cause, but how about a state trooper? There are state troopers that are not within the division, with not within the commercial vehicle enforcement division, who would have to have probable cause. Otherwise, there are troopers and, again, motor care inspectors that do not have to have probable cause to pull you over. They can do that under the auspices of a safety evaluation. So there is no clear-cut answer on this. There is a little bit of both. Okay. Now, I I also understand that the the federal government uh, subsidizes states to do DOT inspections. That's correct. And, and is that mainly for the uh, troopers that run up and down the highways that are uh, DOT certified? No, they're actually that that 
program called the VIP program is a program that is for motor carrier inspectors such as myself and troopers. As a matter of fact, in a four-week period, we're allowed up to an additional 50 hours of overtime, which means that I'm going to inspect 50 additional trucks within that span of time. And, and I pretty much do as many of those as I can. And most of my officers do the same. So that's just enhancing the number of inspections that are generated for the federal government. That kind of takes up the slack for not having enough enforcement officers out there to inspect all the trucks that go across here. I'm sure it certainly helps that program. Let's talk about the uh, federal DOT inspections real quick. Uh, how often is a federal DOT inspection required, Scott? The annual inspection is, again, it's an annual, so every 12 months. It's not a December to you know, January to December program. You can do it at any time within that 12-month period, but it, it, it is a valid inspection for 12 months. Mm -hmm. And that inspection obviously is a level one, but can we uh, scan out on that a little bit? I know it's a level one, but is there an Appendix G inspection involved in that level one? There is. It is the Appendix G is the guideline that sets the standards for items that must be inspected. But what it also allows is it allows for a mechanic or a qualified individual to conduct their inspection or a con inspection on their own, as long as they have the proper paperwork for it. But again, it is also a guide for inspectors such as myself to follow that we can conduct an inspection. So if I have an individual that comes into the scales and I conduct a level one inspection and I find zero violations, I will issue CVSA decals that says that inspection has been completed and it's a, a defect-free inspection, but that inspection from me will also serve as an annual inspection Mm -hmm. for that vehicle for the following 12 months. Okay, so that is what they call a like a, a CVSA sticker that's applied to the windshield by the certified by the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, wow. So, uh, you know, there's really four or five different levels of inspections. Level one, which is a North American standard inspection, which basically is your full-blown inspection. That is, that is the most comprehensive level of inspection, and that is the only level of inspection that I can generate that would serve as an annual vehicle inspection. Okay, then we have the level two, which is kind of the walk around driver vehicle inspection, and the level three, which is basically the uh, paperwork and driver only inspection. That's correct. The level two inspection is a walk around where we don't go underneath the vehicle. So we're not checking steering or brakes, okay. but tires, lights, everything else is, is what a level two is. And a level three is we ignore the vehicle and we check the driver and his paperwork only. Okay. Now, is there a higher level, like a level four or level five inspection? There is a level four inspection, but that is what's commonly referred to as a terminal inspection. Okay. If there are government officials who are conducting a compliance review audit on your facility, they may have someone come in and do uh, an inspection an inspection on that vehicle at that time. It's a possibility that I could go in and do inspections at a terminal and not have any drivers. 
but just do the inspections at that location. If I'm a if I'm a fleet owner, could I request you to come in and inspect some of my vehicles so I can get my numbers to look better? No, but what I do when I go out and talk to different trucking companies, such as I'm talking to you today, Bob, I always tell the trucking companies, if you want to have inspections done, bring your vehicles to the scale facilities and my officers will do those inspections. It's a win-win. My officers need the inspections. The companies need the inspections with the clean, well, the clean inspection with no violations. And so it's a win-win. We would be glad to do that. All I have to do is give us a call or just stop out and say, I'd like to have an inspection and we will get that done. Many of my trucking companies that I visit uh, each year, they complain that they're not getting enough inspections. Therefore, their score is not moving a whole lot. Let's say they have a alert in uh, vehicle maintenance, but they're not getting enough inspections to bring the alert down. So what, what should somebody do in a situation like that? Come in voluntarily? Because a lot of these guys, they have the pre-pass. Can you uh, jump into, for our listeners, what the pre-pass can do uh, for not, not only them, but the trucking company itself? Well, yeah, as, as brief as I can, the pre-pass or drive-wise are two systems that are out there that are used in the state of Indiana. You are basically pre-screening. You're driving by the scale facility, and there's an in cab device that illuminates the, with either a green light or a red light. Mm-hmm. Green light means you pass. Red light means we want you to pull in. Mm-hmm. We have the control to set the pull-in rate inside our building, and we currently set it at about 5% random pull-in. But if we're working on a project, I will change that setting to 100% pull-in. But it is a tool that is out there for companies who have good safety records that they can pay a fee for the privilege of bypassing the scale. Okay. Pretty much that's how it works. I think it's a good system because it reduces the number of vehicles that we have pulling into the scale. If I had 100% vehicles pulling into this scale, Bob, I don't think I could ever open <laughs> We probably couldn't uh, keep up with that. So what do officers look for as our trucks approach the scale? So they got a red light. They're coming uh, into your scale facility. What's the first thing you guys do? We always have an officer who is at the control panel in the building looking out the window. And as the vehicle approaches the ramp, it there's this is a prime reason why the speed limit's only five miles an hour, because we're looking at the front of that vehicle. Mm-hmm. If there are lights on, we want to make sure that all the lights that should be on are operating. Mm-hmm. We look to make sure there's a license plate properly mounted, things like that. I mean, in a nutshell, my job or what I tell my folks their job is is to get, for lack of a better term, is to get their foot in the door. And if that means there is an improperly displayed license plate or there is a headlight out or something like that, that prompts them to think, maybe I want to do an inspection on this truck. Mm -hmm. If we bring the truck around back and do an inspection, uh, for lack of a better term, I've got my foot in the door, so to speak, and that I can start to look for other things. And I cannot think of the number of times where a marker light out on the front of the truck has led me to find lots of other lots of other stuff (laughs) yeah well so do you have cameras that pick up the dot number on the side of the truck and does that automatically give you a iss score which is the inspection uh, selection system score 
I have three facilities in my area right now here in Northwest Indiana, and one of those facilities does have that reader. And this month, March, we're having a second one put in at another facility. So I'll have two of my three facilities will have that. Okay. Real quick story about going back to what getting my foot in the door. We had a truck come through here in December of 2020 that was from California, did not have a fuel tax sticker on the passenger side of the vehicle, which we see. Mm -hmm. My officer took the vehicle around back. I was in the office and he brought me out to look in the vehicle with him. Looking around the vehicle, he noticed that the rear door, the, the inspection door on the back of the refrigerator vehicle was not secured. So he opened it and looked inside. And we discovered uh, 50 kilograms of cocaine oh my. in a load of garlic from uh, California. So <laughs> wow. uh, the, it, that, that's an extreme example, but that is an, uh, uh, an example of getting your foot in the door and finding something with something that was very minor to begin with. Sure. So a lot of times it's not just about inspecting the truck, but also finding uh, other telltale signs that may uh, create a problem uh, for the driver uh, down the road. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, as far as the ISS scores, uh, do you uh, look at what the vehicle out of service score is and, and the driver uh, out of service score? Yes, we do. That is an important part, especially at the facility and soon to be two facilities that I have that have those readers. That is an important guide. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, my current reader at the westbound side of this facility, that has a threshold limit that if that number is high, it will automatically bring that vehicle onto the static scale, okay. stop it, and then say this, this carrier has a high ISS score. Mm -hmm. And it is a candidate to be inspected. So, so that, it's almost a mandatory inspection. That it's saying this right. is a good vehicle to inspect. We want you to inspect it. So, yes, that is a good tool. Now, I, I know we have 15 and a half million trucks out there on the road, but uh, not all of them are semi-tractor trailers. So, uh, Scott, give our listeners some kind of an idea of how many pounds uh, of gross vehicle weight a vehicle has to be where they fall under the DOT inspection process. In the state of Indiana, they describe a commercial motor vehicle as being any vehicle or combination of vehicles with a gross vehicle weight rating greater than 10,000 pounds. So you may have a company pickup truck that you're going to go get tools or something in that's not a commercial motor vehicle, even though it Will display signs and a DOT number. But when you come back, if you hook to a trailer and have a device on there, now that combination may in fact be a commercial motor vehicle, which will subject you to being pulled in on one side of the road mm -hmm. where going the other direction, you weren't stopped in mm -hmm. the first place. So that's the okay. pretty much the limit. Okay. So uh, all of a sudden you're uh, driving a, a, let's say a 6,000 pound truck and you're pulling a 6,000 pound trailer, all of a sudden you fall in under the commercial motor vehicle safety regulations. You potentially wow. could, yes. Does that mean that I have to have a log book? And does it mean that I have to have uh, an inspection on the vehicle? Or does it mean that I even have to have a CDL? The answer to all three of those questions is a firm maybe. Okay. And the problem being that specific circumstances would require that. I mean, you could have a this pickup truck now with a trailer, and if he's within 150 air miles, he doesn't need a logbook. Okay. Again, only when the sum total of the gross vehicle weight ratings of two vehicles exceed 26,000 pounds would a CDL even come into play. So there, 
there's a lot of ambiguity with regards to a firm statement to say, yes, you need to do this or no, you don't need to do that. But it's best to consider the fact that if you know you're going to weigh more than 10,000 pounds, you should be prepared to have all of these things ready or understand this before you venture out. Yeah, I know that a lot of uh, uh, trucks out there, pickup trucks pulling campers or pulling construction equipment on pickup trucks, you know, it appear to be overweight, overweight a lot of times. And you can almost bet that uh, they're going to be stopped and possibly weighed by uh, a DOT officer. Now, let's move forward a little bit as far as what a DOT officer can inspect on a truck. One question that came up from one of my listeners earlier was, can a DOT officer actually check the sleeper for restraints, bedding, and other items? Again, it would be the answer would be yes, but common sense sometimes is a, is a better guide than hard and fast rules and regulations. It, it is a requirement according to the federal regulations to talk about the restraints and other systems within the confines of the sleeper berth. But if we have a driver who's driving as a single, we don't really see don't the need it. Yeah. Yeah, to see that. And of course, if they're driving as a team and we've got someone back there who is asleep, it's not our policy to wake someone up right. to check to see if they're properly restrained. Now, I want to put a myth to sleep right here, right now. And that myth is, is it true that you have to have your bed made? Or is that an old law? Or We've heard this for many, many years. No, I will, I will say that, no, you don't have to, because if that was the case, I'd be in jail right now because my <laughs> bed at home's not made. Oh, about that. So, you know, let, let's talk real quick about how to pass a DOT inspection, you know. So sure. you're, you're pulling me around back and, and obviously you're, you're bringing in my paperwork and everything and you go over that. And now you're going to take me out to the truck and uh, we're going to uh, go through a routine uh, inspection, possibly a level one. So, you know. I'm going to show you my CDL. I'm going to show you my logbook, my ELD, and all that. How much further do you check, and and what all do you check? Uh, and and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this uh, portion of it because we could sit here all day and talk about that. Yes. But the the main parts, uh, you know, when you conduct a preventive maintenance on on, your, on a truck, uh, I know you check the brakes, you check coupling devices. The frame, open top trailers, lighting, cargo securement, steering, suspension, tires, wheels, rims, and hubs. And I'm going for memory on this back in the day when I was a trucker, when I used to get inspected. Uh, so uh, one of the pet peeves uh, that I've seen a lot of DOT officers have is the fire extinguisher not being secured. Is that still a, a, a violation? Well, everything you rattled off, Bob, congratulations. You can start with me tomorrow. <laughs> um, <clears throat> those are all correct that those things would have to be covered. And believe it or not, yes, the fire extinguisher not being secured is still a violation. You will get individual officers who say that that is important, and you will get other officers that will say that's as important as a license plate light. But unfortunately, we're not the... The generators of the regulations were just the enforcers. A brand new fire extinguisher in a box under the driver's seat. If I could have a dollar for every one of those that I've wow. stopped, you and I would not be having this conversation. Yeah. So it, it is, it is still an important violation. For the most part, if I go around a vehicle and I've 
done a level one and I don't see anything else wrong and I see that fire extinguisher is not secured, common sense is going to tell me, and I'm going to explain to the driver, secure that fire extinguisher and we're not going to ding you on that. But if I find six or seven other things on that vehicle that are wrong and I find that fire extinguisher, you bet I'm going to add it to the list. Well, you know, a lot of my listeners have uh, told me that uh, they can go through one inspection station and not have one issue in, in Indiana and go to Michigan and they'll get three violations. Uh, what is the difference here? And not to take a whole lot of time, because sure, obviously we don't have much time left, but uh, uh, if, if, how can in, that happen? In a nutshell, the in a nutshell, the thing is that, and especially when talking about violations, log books and things like this, if you have violations on a vehicle that you know are there and you get 10 different inspectors from dip, 10 different locales to, to look at that, you're going to come up with 10 different interpretations of it. Uh, I, I sincerely wish there was more consistency, uh, a little more common sense sometimes in some of these things, but there's not. So the best advice that I can give in the short term is to do your absolute best at maintaining your vehicle. If you see the big things, you know that there are probably some little things that you might be missing and try to do your best to get those done to eliminate that prospect. But it all, all goes back to, again, your ISS score and other things like that. If you have a high score, you're going to get an inspector that's going to go out there looking with a fine-tooth comb attitude. But if you have a low score and you have a CVSA sticker, mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of violations and in previous inspections, which we all have access to, mm -hmm. we're not going to look at you with that fine-tooth comb. So, you know, maintaining a, maintaining a good attitude kind of helps a little bit too, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I've had a lot of circumstances in 30, almost 33 years of doing this, but I try to keep it light, keep it professional, a, a please, a sir and a ma'am go a long way in making this a, as pleasant as it can be. That's good to know, Scott. That really is. Uh, let's talk about uh, the international road check that's coming up uh, May 4th through the 6th. Yes is right around the corner. Uh, do all states participate in that? To my knowledge, yes. Okay. Uh, also in Canada, uh, I understand Canada and Mexico uh, take part in that as well, right? That is correct. It is Canada and Mexico as well. And uh, this year, they're, they're going to target mostly on hours of service and lighting. Is that correct? That is what we have been told. Okay. And, and is that because we had a high rate of out of services on lights and hours of service last year? To my knowledge, the federal government uh, maintains a pretty close watch on inspection reports as we mm -hmm. submit them. When I conduct an inspection at the end of the day, I submit all my inspections. So they're getting as pretty much as close to real time data as they can get. And if they, if they see trends, in these categories, then those are the items that they want a closer look at when we conduct these programs. Okay. So the International Road Check is basically sponsored by the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, right? That is correct. Okay. Uh, now, last year's road check results, and I'll read those out real quick, uh, was mostly interoperable lamps, uh, was the number one uh, vehicle violation which uh, consisted of about 12% of all vehicle violations uh, during that time. Uh, also, uh, 
hours of service was a big thing. Uh, I know drivers are having a tough time with the ELDs and, um, you know, you know uh, not having proper logs, not knowing how to read the ELDs. And uh, there seems to be a big disconnect with uh, law enforcement and drivers not being able to produce the right uh, information to the officer uh, when it comes to the ELDs. That the ELDs are, are a valuable tool. They do great work, but there, there are some struggles. Uh, right now, what I'm seeing is a lot of drivers that I say, have you ever had the opportunity to transfer your data to me or to an officer? And they say no. And I've had some that just hand me the device and say, here, you do it. I've also been told when I ask, well, don't you know how to do it? They say, I'm a new driver. They handed me the device and they said, take off. So that's a violation. Unfortunately, it is to whatever extent that they don't have the knowledge to do that. And that's one of those violations that I hate to put on there. But right now, I'm finding it a lot. Wow. And I'm starting to see the hours of service scores uh, go back up. Uh, I know they had a uh, reprieve there for almost a year, year and a half. And uh, now uh, it's hard enforcement on hours of service, correct? That is. Okay. Uh, so I pass an inspection uh, during this road check 2021. Uh, will I get a CVSA sticker for that? If you get a defect, well, let me qualify that. There are critical, there's a critical items list, such as lighting, tires, suspension, brakes, things like that. If you don't have any violations on those, you will get a sticker. So we go back to the fire extinguisher example. Mm -hmm. You may have a clean inspection and that fire extinguisher is not secure. Well, you might get a sticker, even though that there's a, there could be a violation on there. So uh, yes, we will be handing out stickers mm -hmm. to the vehicles that are deserving of those of those stickers? Absolutely. Well, wow. uh, so the goal of the uh, road check uh, 2021 would be obviously to reduce accidents, increase driver awareness, create a safe driving environment for all of us. And most importantly is to save lives. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Scott, for joining us today. We uh, are very glad to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob, for having me. I certainly appreciated you giving me the time to talk. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on Holland Notes. Want to make sure you never miss a Holland Notes episode? Head to the link in the show notes to sign up for email notifications.